Welcome to Bleeding Edge Interviews. I am your host, Super Dave. Thank you for joining me as I spend some time talking to the people responsible for all the amazing music you hear on Bleeding Edge every Saturday on Toxic Radio. This is where we get a little bit of insight into the minds of the people who are making the choice on a regular basis to deviate from the norm and push the boundaries of hard rock and metal. Quirky, unique, unusual, uncategorizable, whatever you want to call them. Thank you, Scientists is a band that absolutely has developed their own unique style and sound and a blend of genres and influences that go beyond the norm. And of course, on Bleeding Edge, that's what we like to do, deviate from the norm. My conversation with Tom Monda was just fun-filled, enjoyable. That sense of humor that is exhibited in their music and on their website and their videos and things, if you haven't seen them, is absolutely present in him. And I felt like it was just a really good, fun time. Just uh, getting insights into what's going on with them and, and the new developments for them. Very exciting times for Thank You Scientist and for Tom. I was very happy to be hearing about it, talking about it with him. So without further ado, here is my interview with Tom Monda of Thank You Scientist. Tom, thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate your time. I'm glad you can make it out. How are yeah. you doing, sir? Yeah, man, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm so uh, so happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem at all. It's uh, pretty cool to talk to you guys. You guys uh, are absolutely one of uh, those very unique artists out there that have an absolute identifiable sound. So I always enjoy that. So I like talking to the more unique folks out there. And I've gotten the impression from perusing a lot of your media and your website, you guys have a uh, wonderfully quirky sense of humor, which I love that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I was just never one of those guys. I take the music seriously, but not really myself seriously. I mean, you know, we're, we're making wiggly air for a living you know so uh you know I, if i i i find it very hard to make myself look dark and brooding you know i'm yeah. uh, just kind of goofy and generally thankful that i get to do that so uh so yeah so we don't we don't take ourselves too too seriously yeah. it would uh, wouldn't be on brand for us to take the serious band photo or something like that very but, cool yeah um i noticed that as well um <laughs> that's a remarkable job of cosplay you guys have done in that recent photo so uh kudos uh, to that indeed well, we try our best. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that description, wiggly air. You know what? I've never thought of it that way. That is brilliant. So, <laughs> whole new angle on it. All right. So starting off, obviously, you guys have had some big news this week. Uh, biggest being new EP out, Plague Accommodations. Love the title. Perfectly <laughs> uh, suited for these times. Now, yeah. for you guys, that EP is going to serve some purposes, a couple of them, but I guess... First and foremost, my question is, what was the genesis of the idea to say, hey, we need to make an EP. Let's do that now. Yeah, well, we were going out on tour again. We haven't played a show in just about two years at this point, as crazy right. as it seems, which is the longest stretch that the band has not played a show since the inception of the band. Mm -hmm. um, so really weird times for us. You know, we just put out Terraformer right before the world shut down, you know, pretty much a couple months before. Um, you know, there was rumblings of the shutdown when we were uh, supporting. We played a couple festival dates in Europe right mm -hmm. before things got real dicey. And we're like, nah, it's not going to happen. Don't worry. And then sure enough, as we all know, the world shut down. So we put out this gargantuan 90-minute bloated monstrosity before. <laughs> and we didn't get really a good chance to support it. Um, right. And it's just we didn't know the best way to handle it as a band. You know, it's like 
there's a lot of people who didn't get to experience the Terraformer stuff live and we want to do that for them. And we also, you know, want to come out with something a little fresh, to, you know, to wet people's whistles until the next full length. So, so yeah, we decided, well, let's just take, you know, quarantine was kind of quiet for us. We didn't get together on the regular like we normally do. And we kind of, you know, music went on the back burner for a lot of people for a little bit. We just yeah. kind of focused in on survival mode, you know, and, uh, but we wrote a couple tunes and these are the tunes we wrote during that period. It's, it's, Strangely enough, it came out to 20 minutes and 20 seconds of, of music, which is <laughs> kind of a, weird, a weird thing. Um, yeah, my understanding is you're, you're, uh, you're sticking with the story that that was an accident. It, it really was not intentional. Uh, I mean, it's, it's too on the nose to, to be intentional. We really, uh, you know, but it was just so funny. Like we got the masters back and I think it was Cody. And he's like, whoa, it's 20 minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, it was yeah. meant to be, I guess. I guess it was in a strange way, but that, that's what brings us, uh, excuse me, sorry, I disappeared for a second. Um, oh, sure. That's what brings us to uh, this EP. Um, yeah, so, you know, something a little extra as we uh, get into the, you know, writing the next full length or whatever, and, um, you know, we're excited about it. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, I've heard the uh, the new song, uh, Soul Driver, right? And uh, that was... Yeah. Absolutely, you guys all over uh, with a couple new twists here and there, but yeah, excellent song. I really enjoyed it and uh, playing it on our show now. So, oh, beautiful! I'm, I'm glad you guys are uh, spinning it. Yeah, and, and you know what? Every tune on the EP has its own kind of little unique sort of thing. So, I think people will be kind of pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. Hopefully, that's the, that's the plan. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, that was one of the thoughts I had. Uh, this was something to do and sort of, hey, hey, remember us? We're still around. We didn't disappear after that last album and uh, kind of yeah. wet your whistle. We know you've been waiting. But also, it's it's you guys now launching your new label, your own label, yeah. Flying Jangus Records. And side note, I really must ask you to define this Jangus of which you speak. And no, I actually don't have one in my life. Maybe I hope to once I find out exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, well, but I'm intrigued. It's a big step and yeah. for, for the band. And why, why this, why now? Well, it, it on, truly, it was a matter of survival. Mm. We, we had a, a record deal and we had fulfilled the obligations of a record deal. And it just became apparent, like very apparent to us. I mean, a year into being on a label that the only way we are going to survive as a band and make a, a living or try to make part of a living. I shouldn't say a living because none of us make a full living. Oh, thank you, scientists. Mm. Um, the only way we can make a partial living off the band is if we do it all ourselves. There's, right. there's really no other way to do it. And, and I'm, you know, I tell students of mine and friends of mine, figure out how to do as much of this shit as possible on your own. Because with the little crumbs that you make, like being a musician is essentially getting enough crumbs together to make a whole piece of bread. You know, it, at mm. the end of the day, you're lucky if you got the whole piece of bread. Um, and we were giving all of our crumbs away. It made no sense for, for really, for really no reason. Um, right. We weren't getting any benefit off of it. We ended up doing all the setups ourselves. We ended up doing press stuff ourselves. Our record wasn't being distributed after the initial pressing of Terraformer sold out. It was repressed, but never sent to any, uh, other distributors so it was just out of stock everywhere except for our website so we were mm -hmm. doing the work ourselves anyway but just giving away half of our profits yeah um so it just it it got to the point where like either we stop doing the band or we do this ourselves it really is as, as simple as that because we, we wouldn't be able to do it anymore so um so this was it so we yeah we, from now on now we have this label that um 
We have our own global distribution deal. Our stuff will be primable on Amazon. It will be on all the major indies. You know, uh, people in Europe and Asia will be able to find the music much more easily. And we have total creative control. We have total schedule scheduling control. We have, you know, if we feel like releasing a single out of the blue, we could do it with no uh, no questions asked. And the added benefit to all this is that now we have sort of this conduit to release other thank you scientist related projects, you know, anytime we feel like it. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a great thing. It was like a necessary sort of step for us. Um, but it, it's going to just help us reach a wider audience and do more exciting things, be more creative. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. You hit on two of the things I found intriguing as part of the press release, uh, two snippets of language. Other thank you scientist related projects. I'm going, ooh, uh, what does that mean? Does that yeah. mean there are specific things you have in mind that maybe we can look forward to at this point in time? Or are you, were sure, you maybe I mean, mostly talking a, from potential? Yeah, there, there's a, um, a great Winfair, a uh, new record from Winfair, which is Ben Karras's other band. Uh, it's kind of a black metal, more on the extreme metal side of things that he plays violin in. And uh, Flying Jangus was help with the digital distribution side of that. I know I have an instrumental record that um, I've been writing just bits and pieces of for a long time, and that's going to come out on Flying Jangus Records as soon as I have some downtime to record it, which will hopefully be this coming year. Keeps on getting put off, but, um, okay. you know, and uh, yeah, we all have like little side projects and things, so who knows? We might decide to do some kind of improv improvisatory project and release it on Flying Jangus under some new name, you know? Like we could, really, the, the sky's at the limit. It, it's a uh, it's really a, a new thing for us, and uh, you know we can't wait. I'm talking to some, talk to some other groups about maybe helping them out with their distribution. And the main goal: this isn't a money making thing. We're not out seeking artists to sign or anything like that. Right. This is for our little community of of friends and musicians to just sort of have it accessible, to not have someone mishandling their music, and <laughs> and uh, just have the ability to to get it out there. No no major strings attached. You know, this is right. just uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I think that other part too, talking about, um, more, uh, readily available internationally. So that does give the impression that at times it's been a bit of a struggle to really reach a global market. And I imagine that's a little bit of the double-edged sword of being such a unique sound that those who are out there trying to promote it struggle to figure out, well, where, who, who do we focus this towards? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a huge thing. And I, and I think no one's really going to understand our brand more than us. So the yeah. best people to to sell our music and explain our music and try to get people into the music is us personally. You know, it's like it, it's just kind of a no brainer. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, and that's a problem, too. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, dealing with a radio station and whatever kind of other business you have, you've noticed like um, international shipping rates have gone up dramatically. You know, so for our fans in Europe to order a CD or LP from us when we're the only people selling it, it's very cost prohibitive. We're talking, you know, on a $20 record, they're paying $20 in shipping. It's like, I don't, it sucks. I wish it was not like that. But, you know, being able to expand and have other shipping affiliates, you know, other ways for people to get our music, that's a, that's a game changer, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't blame well. Times are hard. Who, who the hell, I don't know anyone who has enough money to throw around to pay $20 shipping on something. I get it. I feel it. <laughs> I feel bad for people, you know, that it's, it's, it sucks. So we're, we're trying to fix it. You know? Yeah. I can relate because I sent a little package of swag out to one of my interviewees who was in the UK and 
it it went somewhere and uh, to a a facility in the UK, an unnamed facility, and and has sat there since May twenty sixth. Yeah, it's and it, yeah. yeah, you have no guarantee. And and another thing is, you could send someone merch, and they might get hit with a you know import tariff or something like that. Yeah. If someone's in in the in the wrong mood, whoever's processing the packages, you know, you never you never really know. So it's it's uh, it's tough. I mean, luckily we have digital, but I think the the types of people who consume our music a lot of them like myself i i like having records you know i'm still that that guy i like i like having the records so and i think a lot of people who listen to outside the box music are sort of cut from that same cloth where they like to have the lp or they like to have you know, right and as much as you guys like having lps you like making ones that apparently will ruin the uh, player yeah that, it's an odd business strategy we're trying out let's damage people's personal property and uh see if they come back for more you know? <laughs> nice <laughs> now is that legit or is that a, just a, a, just joking around? I can never tell. Well, you so, so I, I, I mean, it could maybe fuck up your needle. I can't imagine that happening too bad. But basically, the <laughs> the new, um, yeah, the the special edition, which just sold out, sold out in a little over a day. We had five hundred wow. of them. Um, yeah, one side of the one side of the vinyl has all the music. The other side has like art that um, it's cool. The art artist created like a stencil using some of the motifs from the oh, from wow. the album art itself, and they actually laser etch it into the LP. So it looks, looks really, really cool. That's pretty it's cool. Nice little, nice little collector's piece that, that yeah, will yeah. probably destroy your record player. I wouldn't recommend playing it. We'll say that. I guarantee you somebody somewhere is going to do it. Somebody's going to, we, we wanted to look into the logistics of putting secret messages on that side, like something <laughs> funny, but uh, it just would have made it too cross prohibitive. So we had yeah. to abandon video will, that. Yeah. Video will surface on TikTok somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Yeah. Yeah. Some someone will have a formal grievance with us for destroying their <laughs> their Crosley desktop uh, record player. I believe your disclaimer was sufficient uh, as far as a legal term. <laughs> I, um, you know what? Let, let's hope. Are you a lawyer? We quote that. With that, yeah. <laughs> so so meanwhile, new adventure for you guys, new label, and all that. So, what lessons are you at this time now learning about what it takes to run your own record label? Well, you know, truth be told, we've been doing our own merch fulfillment and things like that for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, myself, along with Ben and Cody, we've been kind of managing the band collectively. You know, we sort of kind of divide and conquer on certain things. Um, but we've been doing a lot of this stuff on our own lately. So it, for us, it, it felt just like, okay, now we can just do the thing instead of having to bring the thing we want to do to other channels and then hope that they have it high enough in their priority list to get it done. You right. know what I mean? It's like, there's nothing more frustrating than that. You know, when, yeah. when you're ready and willing to do the work and you know, so, so it, it, I found it to be actually a lot less stressful than, um, you know, other setups and our, the, our, uh, our announce I think was wildly successful. I mean, like I, I just, I'm so thankful for, our fans for like supporting this whole thing. It's incredible that we sold out, you know, 500 of those special edition vinyls in a day. And then, right. you know, that's not yeah. counting the CDs that are still rolling in. I mean, it's just, it's awesome that people, I, I think people by and large, I see a lot of good things happening coming out of the pandemic where people are realizing that like, wow, if we want music to keep happening, we have to show up right. for, for musicians, which is really, really cool. And I, uh, I appreciate that. I don't take that for granted ever. It's incredible yeah. that we have people that actually want to listen to the dumb shit that we do. I'm amazed by it every day. <laughs> so and, it, and it sounds like you're shifting a little bit towards that, that uh, I guess I'll say Marillion inspired crowdfunding model where you might be asking people to kind of commit up front 
uh, yeah. to an album they haven't heard. Yeah, I think, you know, Marillion is really one of the, one of the only bands of that generation, I think, who really has, like, jived with this sort of new model, you know, in, yeah. in a big way. It seems like they really took to that, that whole system and they're, they're kind of killing it. Um, I think that's where everything's going. Yeah. How, how else could it go at this point? You know, music has become like a, just a, a commodity with really no inherent value other than what the value that fans put on it. You know, it's the right. original uh, NFT, I guess, music. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. um, but yeah, you know, I, I just think that's where everything's going and, and why fight it, you know? Sure. It's like, you know, the, what was really romantic about that, that old model anyway? Where other where other people who weren't musicians who were just suits who knew nothing about music just took most of your money. Yeah. There's nothing really romantic about that, you know. There's something way better about a symbiotic relationship directly between your fans and you, you know. Indeed, yeah. And I think one of the things most people have learned uh, watching how all of this in the last year and a half or so has affected the music industry and such. I think it's just raised a lot of awareness. I am inclined to think there's a lot of fans out there that given the choice would rather say, you know what? I'd rather just see the majority of the money and go to the guy I want to hear play or the, or the band I want to hear play or whatever the artists rather okay. than, you know, they get barely anything while this record company is getting all of it, you know, yeah, Hey, we want yeah. to support, support the band, support the musicians and see, you know, and, and see more of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think most listeners, you know, like, when this whole digital revolution thing started and like, you know, Lars Ulrich was the villain and granted he makes a great villain. He's very elected, but, um, but you know, it's like, I think most people still are more than willing to support art from, from people that they like, you know, it doesn't matter even though it's accessible online, even though you can go on Spotify and yeah, you could stream it and it's, and it's nothing. And it, you know, you could find it on YouTube. You could download it from some torrent. Right. But I can't tell you how many people will just message and say, hey, what's the best way to support you guys? Right. What's, the, what's the best place for me to order the CD? What gives you guys the most benefit? You know, I think people, I, I think just people in mass are starting to realize that if we like this music stuff or if we like this art stuff, it's, we're kind of the label now. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're the, you know, we, we are funding directly. And I think, you know, just people are coming around to that model. I mean, look at how Patreon has picked up and things like that and Gumroad right. and all those other types of services like that, you know? That's just yeah. where that's just where it's going, yeah. And that's I think that's an awesome thing because that means bands that are not necessarily selling millions of albums but are amazing and have their own special uniqueness to them are much more able to continue to exist than yeah. if they were at the mercy of a bunch of suits somewhere worried about how much of a profit they were making off of it. Exactly, exactly, man. It's like, yeah, it, that's it. And like no one would ever take a chance. <laughs> on us in that old paradigm you know no one even give, gives the chance and, and like you know we've accomplished some fair amount of things with some really weird music so i mean that is the the plus side of this whole system is that you can you can hit the people that directly appreciate what you do and want to support what you do and i think that that aspect of it is is amazing so yeah um indeed. yeah I'm, I'm this is a whole new chapter for us and 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 it's it's super exciting Excellent. Oh, I, I wish you the best with that. I hope that goes amazingly well. It sounds like it already is. So it's, Thank it's, you, it's a good thing gone. So kind of steering back to the EP for a moment. Now, a sort of a hypothetical question. Now, imagine we were living in a lockdown society during a pandemic and you had to record an album. 
What, what would that look like if you were putting some stuff together? How would that change from what you normally do? Yeah, so it changes a lot, right? So we obviously didn't have the luxury of like blocking out huge amounts of time in one studio. So this is the first record where we did it with a lot of friends, mostly on our own, without the aid of a large studio. Um, we recorded guitar, bass, and drums live in a studio, just primary tracks. So, you know, that's one thing that's really important. And we want to have a live feel to the, the basics, you know, that that's important yeah. for us. Um, recorded horns in another studio, recorded vocals on our own, you know, did overdubs of guitars and violin on our own. Um, so it was like uh, a lot different, um, but it also showed us that we could kind of make our thing happen on a, on a totally independent scale with a, with a much smaller budget, you know, cause right. we had no operating budget for this. You know, we have, we couldn't tour, we couldn't do anything. That's it. You know? yeah. um, so it was, yeah, it was being crafty uh, to make that happen for sure. But I think, um, I think it went well. I think the record, I, I'm, I'm really happy with how the record sounds and uh, you know, it just proved to us that we can, we can do this in a big way moving forward. And it's not going to slow us down or it's not going to, affect the, the quality of, of what we do in any way, which is, it was nice. And certain, certain, you know, situations like that are good learning, learning tools for that kind of thing. Like, oh, okay. indeed. <laughs> I have to imagine a lot of recording studios out there are getting a little nervous. Uh, yeah. Even the fact that I'm hearing some just amazing music that is coming out that people have basically recorded in home studios uh, because they had no other real option at the moment. And it's every bit as high quality as anything you hear coming out of a studio. So it's, it's going to get to the point where a lot of bands like yourself are going to go, what do I need a studio for? Why do I need to pay for that yeah, when I can do yeah. this at home? And, and, you know, it really depends on the type of music that you're doing. You know, I think nowadays you can make a great metal record with just a laptop, right? Right. I mean, you, you, like the sounds are so readily available. A lot of the bands are using the same sample packs and the same sounds and everything. So like, you know, you could get an incredibly polished sounding album like that. Um, it depends on really what you want to do. You just have to know how you want to approach your music and how to play to the strengths of your music. That That's important. And if you're able to do that, you can, you know, you just sort of use that as a guide to what the optimal recording scenario would be like for you. Certain music is not going to sound great recorded at home on a laptop with everybody separate. You know, that's mm -hmm. it's not, you know, our music would not sound right like that. Totally. You know, but, but there, you know, there's ways to do it. You just have to experiment, you know, yeah. for sure. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the bigger bands, at least in the prog scene now started as that sort of one man kind of lap or two guy laptop sort of experiment, you know, yeah. like periphery and bands like that. Right. I mean, that's sort of the genesis of that stuff. True. Yeah. You know? And it, that's kind of funny to think about how, Back in the day, how bands started versus nowadays, it's a, a dude in his computer and then he gets a certain <laughs> computer software. And that's like, you know, right. the behind the music now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Fascinating world. But it's 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 nice in the sense that I think it expands creativity and, and gives access to people. Totally. That not otherwise have been able to do anything close. Exactly. To it. Yeah. Right. The, the accessibility of it is incredible. And, you know, you think about all like maybe the incredible artists that we missed out on over the years because of just lack of accessibility. Now right. anybody can make an album. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of awesome. Right? Yeah. It's, it makes it harder to dig for the stuff that you like, but they're just the incredible amount of options and possibilities, of, you know? 
Yeah, no doubt there too, because I've especially found out and, and just digging further and further down the, the frog rabbit hole, uh, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that's out there and continually finding things that somehow I've still missed. And I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm one of those scroungers. I'm always looking for oh, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. something different. So the fact that I once in a while come up with something I'm like, how did I miss this band for the last five years? I don't know. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. The, the, the depth of stuff out there. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. So approaching the EP, was there anything musically or, or, or production wise in terms of how you produced or not produced, how you approach this, um, where you're trying to expand your, your comfort zone, so to speak, stretch out of that. I, I haven't been able to find the credits yet, so I don't know. Um, you know, was it you or you guys as a band producing again, I presume, uh, yeah. I know Andy uh, Van Det was your engineer the last couple of albums. Was it similar crew or, or uh, so is some way you stretch yourself? A different crew this time around. And I mm -hmm. think a, a big change on this one was that we had Ben, our violinist, doing a lot of the engineering. Mm, so we were okay. able to do it a lot in-house. We were also able to spend a lot more time on certain detail and production stuff that maybe was just too cost prohibitive for us to do when we were operating in another studio. But when we're doing it on our own, we have a little more time to experiment. So I think the EP benefited from that because texturally and production-wise, there are a lot of new ideas and a lot of like fresh kind of sounds. Um, you know, whereas uh, that just because you know on a record like Terraformer, it's like we had ninety minutes of music to record in a you know, and it was like everything was like this. You know, when we're recording on our own, uh, it's at a more leisurely pace, and we're able to sort of you know kind of take it all in and experiment a little bit. So that that was great. Um, this record um, was Matt. Uh, Mixed by uh, Ryan Kelly, who's a great mix engineer out of Jersey City. He's worked with a lot of amazing artists. He's done a lot of modern classical stuff, you know, Philip Glass kind of stuff, too. Um, okay. Working with The Roots and Opeth and all kinds of stuff. So he's done a lot of unique stuff. Um, and he added a real nice touch to the record. He, 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 I feel like his mixing was very, very creative. He really got in the weeds and really tried to, like, make the, the tune sound expansive and... and a lot of ear candy in there for repeated listens, which is really cool. Nice. And then it was mastered by um, Angel Markoid, uh, who's a, an amazing artist. Uh, goes by the name of Fire Tools, mm -hmm. um, and she did an amazing job with uh, the mastering. We couldn't be happier. She, um, we actually worked with her. We have a side side band called We Used to Cut the Grass that our bass player leads, and it's, it's most of us, but uh, kind of instrumental, experimental thing. And uh, she mastered that record, and we loved the way it sounded so much that we were like, oh, we definitely have to get her to do this one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's a different crew. And that was part of it, too. It's like, okay, this is our first release on on our label. Let's make it something a little less intimidating. Let's put out an EP first. Let's experiment. Let's let's try a different crew just to see what the, the sound will be like. You know, it was just an opportunity across the board for us to, to try some new shit. Like that. Yeah. Nice. It kind of raises that hypothetical question, and and I feel like I see a lot more stuff essentially being you know self produced, band produced, things like that uh, from you guys all the way up to Dream Theater, who have pretty much been producing their own stuff for ever. Yeah. Uh, um, if have you ever given thought to working with an outside producer, bringing somebody in for that different perspective? And if you did, who who's on your list you'd like to work with? Yeah. So, so I've been producing the records since since the start of the band working as the producer, really getting into the weeds and sort of as the band leader, that's kind of what I, you know, what I do. I get, I get in the weeds with everything. Yeah. Um, we, we have talked about it and I 
would love to work with someone like John Bryan. <laughs> you know, that would be kind of like a dream. Um, I also had reached out to Roger Manning from Jellyfish mm. um, because, you know, and he plays keyboards for Beck and stuff too. Right. Uh, so I'm a huge Jellyfish fan and I love the production work he did for the band Fun. Um, okay. And he's done some really, really cool stuff. And I thought maybe that sort of meeting of the minds would lead to some interesting results. Um, but uh, hmm. yeah, so far nothing has come to materialize. So we just keep on, keep on keeping on on our own, you know? That, oh, it's working pretty well for you so far. So <laughs> We're trying, man. We're trying. Thank you. So a little bit of a side detour here too. I, and I, I've seen clips of the interview. And I did actually want to check in with it because I know at the time it doesn't seem that either you or Ben really answered Jimmy Fallon. Have either one of you licked the other at any point in time? Well, uh, that's a, it's a very complicated answer to that question. <laughs> and I, I think uh, in the current global pandemic crisis, I'd like to keep our uh, our, our various licking uh, <laughs> licking to ourselves. You know, that's that's not public information. No, uh, <laughs> I think it's a good PSA. Please don't lick. Your friends. Yeah, unless and you have to, you need explicit permission to lick your sure. friend. We should say that, you know. Yeah. You can do whatever you want, as long as your friend is cool. There you go. It's all consensual. Or at least, at least if you have to lick somebody, keep the mask on. Keep the mask on, exactly. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I just, one of those things I found there, I'm going, oh, wow. These guys are, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> what, so, let me ask you about, to, about toxic radio. Oh, Was sure. This, just because of the preponderance and pollution of New Jersey? Is this a toxic Avenger reference? Is this a, <laughs> you know, that's a question I've never actually conclusively asked Mike toxic, Mike, uh, Mike Francolino, our, our owner station manager, basically one man show. Yeah, yeah. Um, believe it or not. Um, his, his roots are being, uh, well, he was into pro wrestling and being a juggalo. Wow. I think somewhere in the long line, he said he wanted something really, really edgy. He went with toxic radio and toxic entertainment. That's where we're at. But I've never, now you mentioned it, I've never actually pinned him down for like the honest to God origin story of the term toxic radio. The downside about it is at times you want to get involved with like little charitable things and stuff like that. And everybody goes, uh, toxic. Well, it's uncensored and you're cursing on there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, but you know what? We'll keep it. We'll keep our options open. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a tough sell. I mean, yeah. I uh, yeah. My my first thought of Toxic in New Jersey is always Toxic Avenger, obviously. Yeah, well, he's got a poster of the Toxic Avenger in his office, of course. So there may be that connection as well. There you go. There you go. But that's that's not my mission for today. Is when I get to the station. All right, Mike, give me the full story. Inquiring minds want to know. People need to know. People need to know this needs to get out there for the world to understand. (laughs) Cool question though. Yeah. First time somebody's asked me that and pinned me down on it, which is why I've been lazy enough not to have asked him. (laughs) He should have told me without asking. That's him being lazy. But it takes a nerd like me to ask a question like that. (laughs) It It was all leading up to this moment. Exactly. Well, it's a pretty good transition too, because I I know I wanted to, I had some questions I wanted to get into kind of the background of thank you scientists. Um, one in particular, um, honestly, what's the origin of the name? How, how did you come up with that? Is, and, and what was, you know, like, how does a band with such diverse influences like this? I mean, I know when you're talking about any band with prog leanings, 
the the influences are really diverse, but it's for you guys on your sleeve probably a lot more than a lot of other bands because of the just the mix of instruments that, that you don't normally find. But like, how did you guys pull together, and where did you come up with that name? So the name itself was just something that I came up with that I kind of just liked the. It had a nice ring to it. I, mm. You know, I, I wish I had a more uh, exciting story than that. <laughs> um, but it just sort of seemed to work with the the energy and the vibe of the music that I was writing at the time. It's and it started off as like a solo thing of mine. I just that's what I the name I used for whatever demos I was creating. Yeah. And it sort of mutated into a real band. And um, it the the band actually started off. It was me on guitar and vocals and right. bass player and drummer and a keyboard player. And the band sort of, you know, kind of fell apart. I was like studying jazz in school and I really wanted to just dedicate myself to that for, for a couple of years. And then that was my plan. But then, you know, the rock bug bit me and I was like, yeah, I really miss being in a band. Let me get this band going again. And, you know, in music school, that's where I formed it. You know, I was playing a lot of gigs, playing jazz and in a lot of ensembles that had those types of, you know, instruments. And I, yeah. my favorite music was always rock stuff that had that element to it. Frank Zappa, you know, was, it was a huge influence for me. Uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra, Brecker Brothers, you know, whatever, Return to Forever, all that, all that stuff. I was like way, way into that, um, that era. Still, still am, obviously. Um, and funk and R&B stuff. And, uh, you know, and I also grew up playing metal, you know, so um, it was just, uh, there was no strategy to forming the band and the sound other than let me just get all these elements together in a room and I'm just going to write whatever the hell I want to write. And that's sort of how the band began. And um, yeah, and then it, then it evolved. We sort of, as a group, you know, over the years, it's become a lot, a lot more collaborative. You know, we all, right. we all contribute to write nowadays. Um, and uh, it's really just, you know, we, we learn to kind of, how do we play to the strengths and how do we play to the sounds that we have at our disposal, you know? Right. And, and, and the cool thing is, I feel like we all like so much different music. Um, you know, if I write something that I intend, oh, this is kind of like a funky kind of sounding thing. It's still not going to come out sounding like a funk band because it's us playing. It's going to sound like a weird, you know, something of our own flavor. So, right, right. Um, and that's what's cool about Thank You Scientists. We could sort of kind of do whatever the hell we want. And it, and I, I guess we set up the precedent to sort of kind of do whatever the hell we want, but it still sort of sounds like us. And that's kind of kind mm -hmm. of liberating to, to, to have that. So it's, it's cool. And the, and the acoustic instruments add to that. You know, we can explore so many different textures that we wouldn't be able to do. I mean, even on, 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 on the real, real like surface level, um, think about the, the register of um, dynamics, right, between a guitar and a saxophone or something, right? So a guitar could be really, really loud, and it could be pretty quiet, right? Like if you ask a guitar player to play their loudest note versus their quietest, quietest note, right? But man, a saxophone, and I'm talking without, a, you know, without an amp, um, a saxophone has all of this space, all this dynamic range, because it, it, right. it goes with breath, right? So just having some elements like that in the band that, that work with breath that opens up this whole nother layer of dynamic stuff that you can do within your music, within your music that you can sort of do in guitar, but not quite, you know, um, just adds another human element to it. That yeah, way. really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
I, I've said before too, and and being a, a basically a child of the eighties, that was a time when the saxophone, you know, was was fairly commonplace in popular music, and yeah, and definitely. and even in occasional uh, teenage vampire movies uh, with muscly guys that are all oh yeah, called. Lost Boys. That's awesome. yes, Tim Capello, right? Yeah, maybe that's subconsciously why I formed. Thank you, scientists. I want people to Lost Boys. And, uh, and so I sort of miss it these days because it seems like it's such a rare thing to hear anymore. Where you know, like at the top of my head, other than say you guys or or jazz, I mean, like I can't think of too many songs where I remember hearing like really good. Yeah, sax- yeah. Um, it's used. It, you're right. You're absolutely right. It used to be like a like a major standby. You know, seventies right. and eighties. Yeah, it wouldn't be weird to hear a rock tune with a with a big ass saxophone solo in the middle, right? I really mean, right. Those Billy Joel tunes with those amazing Phil Wood solos and all that. <laughs> exactly right. Just, yeah, it was just part of the vernacular. Yeah. Um, yeah. The 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 thing is, uh, quite honestly, it's hard to mix horns with distorted guitar. You know, uh, it's the, hard to get the two to behave together. You know, and I think that's, that's a big part of it. You know, um, they're all kind of occupying a similar sonic space, so it really takes a lot of knowing how to try to arrange for the group to make it. You know, to get the balance. You know. Really, yeah, no doubt. I, I was not aware of that. That's actually interesting. I learned something new today. Yeah, there you go. It's like you're a scientist. Yeah, imagine, yeah, some kind you're, of scientist. You're, you're my own Professor Proton teaching me today. Yeah, well, now I just got to get paid like I was one. <laughs> Which, and actually, kind of a side note, too, it's one of those things I, I picked up on looking through uh, album credits and things like that. I, I just want to give you guys kudos as being, as far as I know, the only active band right now that has a regular individual in the band who who's listed as playing theremin. Yeah. Because in my sure. opinion, theremin is, is something that just actually needs to be much more involved in, in, in everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, it's such a cool instrument. And when you hear <laughs> someone who, who can really play theremin, like Carolyn Ike or someone like that, who's like a, you know, virtuoso, I mean, it's incredible. You can really get it to sound like a human voice. You know, Cody is, yeah. uh, is, uh, awesome at it. And he also plays musical <laughs> thought too, which is a similar kind of timbre. Um, musical. I'm sorry, saw. Yeah, I don't know oh, if we've okay. done. The, I don't know if we've done the saw at a thank you scientist show because it's hard to hard to mic. We have so much stuff going on at once. But the yeah, Cody uh, has been playing the theremin for a while. You know, um, theremin's classic. You know, people hear it all the time, but maybe don't place it right. It's the thing from Good right. Vibrations. The yeah. The, oh right. Spooky, yeah. Spooky uh, sci-fi kind of sound, That's right? I think of the Star Trek theme, the original series. Yeah, the Star Trek theme, right? Or like some Orson Welles kind of War of the Worlds kind of score, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's a it's it's a super cool sound. I feel yeah, bad yeah. for Cody though, because live it's so hard because you have this right. The theremin has a magnetic field that yeah. that sort of works in right, and and throughout that that field in spaces where you have your your pitch field right, and with people moving around him, if someone gets too close, it messes up his pitch field when he has the theremin <laughs> on. So, you know, everything changes for him. The poor guy, he's always like, nice. um, but it's, it's fun. And, and actually it ends up being kind of comic relief when the, when the theremin goes berserk. So that, that's, that's kind of like a little added. Just put orange cones around him, a little caution tape. We, it, we absolutely need that. He needs to be <laughs> like the John Travolta boy in a bubble, you know, like <laughs> that kind of scenario. <laughs> Helping you with ideas for your next stage show. Hey, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess Flaming Lips sort of beat us to that one a little bit. Oh, did they? I was not they, aware. They did the human hamster wheel thing, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. A man, a man can dream, you know? Indeed. So I'm kind of curious. We've touched on this a little bit and, and kind of looking through it. I know you guys have, as, as well as your diverse 
um, influences, you've got diverse labels from prog rock, prog metal, prog jazz. Okay, every every category with prog in it, um, but also jazz fusion, experimental rock, uh, psychedelic rock, avant prog, which is different because they put the prog at the end instead of the beginning. <laughs> How do you guys feel about that? And you know, and, and honestly, do you do you put yourselves anywhere or just? It's just music. Mm-hmm. Just music. I mean, yeah, loosely, it's Prague, right? The problem with the Prague label, if I was to say one thing, is not. And I love a lot of Prague music, yeah. obviously. Obviously, I mean, I grew up on that stuff. Um, but the problem with the label itself is that, much like punk, Prague started as a thing, like an umbrella term that wasn't like a definitive style. It was more of like an ethos of how the band performed, right. you know, like think about like, yes, Genesis, King Crimson, those guys didn't sound anything like ELP, right? right? They're all t- totally different, Gentle Giant, right? But all prog, right? I think at a certain point, prog became like, I guess probably from Dream Theater onwards, when people hear prog, they assume that like, oh, it's going to sound like Dream Theater mm-hmm. or it's going to sound like, like, yes, or something like that. So. Right. So that I, I feel like that's the problem. Sometimes labels will scare people away because like they'll say like, oh, I don't like bands that sound like X or Y, so I'm not going to check this out, right? But it's just, at the end of the day, it's just music. These labels are created by, you know, people that try to categorize things, you know? It used to be very useful when you walked into a record store and you're like, okay, let me go, where, where's the music I like? Oh, it's in the hip hop right. section. It's in the jazz section, you know? Um, nowadays, it's just, it doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. just... Uh, Sometimes it makes people draw conclusions about the music before they check it out. Um, and that's, that's when it could be bad. But in generally, our music is just rock music. You know? Yeah. Well, I've always liked to think about it in terms of, uh, I, my attitude has been Prague is not X. doesn't just sound like this, and all the songs aren't 15 minutes long. It's, yeah. it's integrating different styles, different approaches different textures and just doing something different with whatever your your quote-unquote base is whether it's metal or rock or classical or something but just expanding the boundaries yeah yeah i I think that's it i think people associate prog with just like that means that it's going to just be like masturbatory technical kind of skill all the time and i don't think that in my mind that's not it at all it's just Something with a different approach is progressive to me. You know, yeah. something just like that. Someone who does something slightly different, right? That that's progressive to me. Progressive to me is like something like more Captain Beefheart. You know, something like that. That is like something so twisted and done in like a really strange way that it doesn't sound like anyone else. That's progressive to me. It doesn't have to be this technically astute, very very studied thing. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I've, I've often jokingly, uh, when introducing you guys on the show, or whatever, I've joked, you know, oh, it's the love child of Dream Theater in Chicago, <laughs> which isn't, again, it's, 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 again, what I love about the band is the uniqueness. And even when you talk about the idea of these labels being a nice shorthand, yeah. well, if you go in allmusic.com and look you guys up, shorthand is blown to shit because you've literally got about more than a dozen different labels they're throwing on there. I'm going, so basically you guys are going we don't know the fuck's going on here all we know is this is music that has all these elements into it yeah 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 that's good it's, it's kind of cool um it's funny that you mentioned that I, I saw that a while ago and i thought that was kind of funny um but yeah i mean I, I, you know i don't stress about it too much and i encourage people 
who are young musicians, not to stress about it too much. I have so many students who are like, I'm going to form a band and it's going to be like, like this style with elements of that and with elements of that. And what I, I always tell them is like, just get together with your friends and play to your strengths and, and whatever style it's going to, you don't have to do any work to make that happen. If you just create honestly and it will happen. I, when you try to force yourself into doing something, I feel like that's when a lot of people run into problems. Right. And sometimes for young people, that's what genres can do. Like I have to commit to a genre. I have to yeah. look like this and I have to sound like this if I want to be accepted. And I don't think that's really it because you think of any bands that were sort of like kind of movers and shakers at whatever they did, regardless of style, they were always the, the people who really just were kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. You know? Like the bands who came out of nowhere that were like doing the thing that wasn't entirely the cool thing or, you know, and that like, yeah. Those are the guys who end up being, you know, and you think about like in jazz, it was Charlie Parker when he was around, people are like, what is this racket? You know, and then <laughs> everybody's studying it. Right. And then, you know, someone like Frank Zappa or someone like, you know, uh, you know, list goes on. I, I, yeah. I need to go on. But I think that yeah. that's sort of the thing. So just I, I think you stand a better chance not trying to run with the pack and just trying to play to your your strengths. Now, don't worry about genre. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not worth it. But it's and it's. It's where amazing things happen. I, I've often referred to the outcome of these, the blending of influences as a stew. And in many ways you think about a stew or soup or sauce, anything that's a blending of all these different ingredients. In the end, usually the ones that are really great are the ones that have their own flavor as opposed to you eat it and you can taste all the individual ingredients separately. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, for sure. So. I mean, like, Okay, so you described us as Dream Theater in Chicago. Let's think about Chicago. I wonder what people described them as back in the day, right? Because they were like, it was like a rock and roll band, right? With yeah. some pretty heavy guitar, but then like some serious horn writing and serious jazz harmonies, right? So, um, you know, but I don't think they were stressed about it. They were probably just getting in a room and they're like, let's just write some cool shit. Yeah. And that's what they came up with. And then 1980 hit and they started writing all these ballads. Oh my God! They just became the soundtrack to CVS, just the schmaltziest <laughs> shit you could ever imagine. But yeah. man, those first couple Chicago records, burners, Chicago yeah. Transit Authority, woo! Yes. Yes. so good, so good. <laughs> so good. I still laugh about the fact they got sued by the actual Chicago Transit Authority about that. What guys? <laughs> yeah, you think yeah, they were stealing yeah. your transit transit business or something? You know? Yeah, right. Well, where's the market competition there? I don't quite see it. But yeah, well, we uh, see them in a bus. That's their tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> Not for public use. Damn it. <laughs> So, well, speaking of touring, I mean, yeah. you guys have this tour coming up. You're starting and uh, next month in in Buffalo. God bless you. Um, you guys are really going to smash a lot of shows, and you get about 26 shows in a little bit more than a month. Um, what are you really looking forward to in terms of getting out again? Oh man, I mean, just seeing what how the shows. Well, hopefully the shows have grown, but seeing what the what the turnout is like because you know. Again, I, I feel like Terraformer, we had a, um, it was received really well, but we never really got to share it with people. So I'm excited to go out to shows now that people have experienced this record and sort of see what the vibe is like. Cause we were on an upward turn. Our shows were getting bigger and bigger and we were like, something's happening here. We were going to any random ass city and our shows would be packed to the brims. And, wow. and it was after years of working, it was like, oh my God, this is like really a thing. And then, um, you know, giant pause for, for a couple of years, but, uh, um, here we are. So we're excited what this first show is going to be like. We're, we're, we're super psyched and I just hope you remember how to do it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Try not I'll practicing. Panic and run off stage or something. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be. I was going to reference this show right now. I'm going to skip that because I'm just referencing an old episode of Frasier. Oh, he practiced his signature song and he tried to do something. I'm going to do it anyway. So I've, it's launched. Sorry. Hey, launch, launch your way, man. <laughs> Wanted to do something different and then got cold feet and decided I'm going to go back and do my old standard. Didn't remember any of the, long, any of the words, any of the lyrics. <laughs> Blew it. So there you go. That was my totally unnecessary digression into the world of sitcoms at this particular hey. moment. It's all good. I, I, I can't rap Frasier as hard as I can rap Seinfeld. That was that was my sitcom. But. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I believe it or not, in my regular work, I've used Seinfeld quite a bit. It is an incredibly quotable show, but I also realized when a certain corner was turned and, and I could drop Seinfeldisms to my coworkers and then look at me quizzically and I look at them and go, what, you don't? No, no, I was too young. Okay, fuck you. <laughs> that's fine i'm old now I, I think people have a social responsibility to watch seinfeld i think that should be uh maybe, maybe that should maybe that that's the kind of government mandate we need everybody's locked inside take some time watch seinfeld yeah teach you everything you need to know about who not to be exactly exactly work your way up to curb that that's a that's a constructive usage of time i agree <laughs> we are on the same page there my friend all right <laughs> What's it like touring with Thank You Scientists? What do you guys like on the road? Um, it's mellow, man. It's not. Um, it's all business when when we're on the road. I mean, I shouldn't say that because we t- we do tour with my dog, so we spend a lot of time uh, <laughs> hanging out with the dog and nice. and going on walks and stuff like that. But we're just touring. You know, we we put all our effort into putting on a great show. We spend our time practicing and working on our craft when we're not. You know when we're just sitting in our, on our bus with nothing to do and, uh, and uh, reading books, all that stuff, practicing. I've got a little folding piano. So it's very unexciting is what I'm saying. It's, yeah. not, uh, it's not like Molly Crew or something like that. No? Just, uh, we're uh, just a bunch of nerds. You know? we're, we're exactly probably what you imagine us to be. <laughs> a bunch of dick jokes and a uh, you know, bunch of nerdy shit. Hey. That to me is fun too. You know, who needs wall to wall cocaine really? And and if it makes you end up looking like, um, oh, now I can't think of his name now. The former, uh, not the former, the lead singer, Motley Crue. Darn it. Oh, Vince Neil. Yeah. He's, Vince uh, Neil. Thank you. Yes. When, when, that poor guy has seen better days, huh? Jeez. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah. When he's getting sent pictures of the Bumble from Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer <laughs> comparing <laughs> him to him, it's like, yeah, you really. You know what? At a certain point, um, it's like they're just parading that poor guy up there to make yeah. it, make money. You know, it's like, oh, he, and he's just flailing. And right. it's like that video of him singing Kickstart My Heart that went viral from about a year ago. You remember that one, right? That was. Yeah. 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 At a certain point, he could sing, right? I mean, I was too. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I have a very, uh, you know, whatever. I know the big Motley Crue songs, but I was, you know, I was born in the late 80s. I don't, I don't know too much about it. But could he ever sing? Yeah. It's questionable. It's questionable. <laughs> they yeah. can make him sound okay in recording. So, you know, fix yeah. it in post. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess Tommy Lee was known as a pretty solid drummer, but I mean, mm. there were 80s bands who could really play their asses off. But yeah. I feel like Motley Crue was never really considered one of those. So it doesn't really. Bit of a stretch. Yeah. It's a bit yeah. Of a what, what somebody somewhere needs to do is, is get a hold of David Lee Roth and say, Dave, can you give a talk to Vince and talk about what you're doing and see if you can encourage him in that direction? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a character. Yeah, really. Uh, 
And get video of that conversation, too, while I'm thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, maybe they should have a web series. That would be a fantastic web series. I'd oh, watch wow. You've hit on something. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's got to happen. Vince Neil like, goes to the top of some mountain, like in Kill Bill, you know, when she goes for training, but it's David Lee Roth up there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So I know we're running out of time here. I did have really just kind of one other question. And uh, again, prompted by you guys, uh, when was the last time you saw Tim Allen and and how's he doing? Tim Allen. Wow. Yeah. Um, You know, Tim was a big fan. He used to come to all of our shows. Uh, No, that's actually not true. (laughs) We we had a tour laminate for one of our headlining tours that had Tim Mm -hmm. Allen on them. So that was where the the joke was started. I just nice. put, uh, yeah. Um, and then Tim Allen became part of our, uh, our mythology, I guess. Nice. Just for a moment there, you, you did that to me too. Cause with that Jimmy Fallon video there for literally about 30 seconds, or maybe or so I, I went, Oh wow. They were on. Oh, damn it. They got me. Yeah. That's when <laughs> you know the world is really coming to an end when we're on Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. The, the, I, I wouldn't uh, hold your breath on that. Happen. Hey, Letterman would have done it. You know what? I bet Letterman would have done it. He would have asked us. Absolutely. Question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But Letterman's Letterman and Jimmy Fallon is not. Just corporate garbage, unfortunately. Yeah, kind of that. But just for just for a couple seconds there, you almost had me again. I went, oh, wow, is Tim Allen redeemable? He's a fan. No, he's not. <laughs> well, he might Tim be. Tim Allen's probably a cool guy. I don't know much about Tim Allen other than the fact that he got busted for cocaine way back in the day for, for yeah. trafficking huge amounts of cocaine. Yeah, that's something you can look up. You sold a lot of it to Vince Neil. Maybe, maybe that's the connection we need. You mm-hmm. thought you threaded the loop there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's all interconnected. You know, and that reminds me too. It's something that struck me. I did want to ask about a little bit. And it's, and it's one of those things I'm suddenly now re- realizing maybe more so than I ever knew is that apparently in a lot of the music out there, the man behind the curtain is apparently Bumblefoot. Oh yeah. Because now every time I turn around, he's somewhere. He, he's, he's getting a little Portnoy-ish here because uh, he's a <laughs> Sons of Apollo uh, connected. Then, and then I, a couple of weeks back, talked to Jason Beeler. He was involved in that as well. And then I see him working with you guys as, as I think it was listed as vocal producer, which I yeah. thought intriguing. I'm like, so you get the guitar player to produce your vocals. Well, he, um, he actually sang. He wasn't a vocal producer. He sang some backing okay. vocals. Um, we needed like a big choir in one part. So I'm like, let me ask Ron. Ron has an amazing voice. And he uh, sent us some <laughs> uh, backing vocal parts for a piece we were doing. And he also mastered our first EP back in the day. No Ron, no Ron was my teacher when I was a kid. Oh, oh wow, that's the connection then. Okay. Yeah. So before Ron was in GNR, um, I was a huge fan of his solo work when I was a kid, and I had a teacher who was friends with him, and I was like, you know, trying to figure out his solos and learn his shit, and 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 my teacher at the time just got tired of me, I guess, and he's like, hey, I'm going to send you to Ron, <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, and at the time I didn't even drive; I had a friend of mine drive me down to Ron's studio, and. Uh, I just started taking lessons with him whenever I could. And, and um, he really changed my life, man. He's unbelievable. I mean, um, not apart from the fact that my, what my style is, is pretty much just, I, I am a shitty version of, of what Ron does pretty much. <laughs> but um, but uh, he just got me thinking like a musician. And, uh, and also, you know, I, I can't understate just how important it is to like, hear someone that good when you're a kid playing in front of you all the time. You know, it certainly skewed my perspective because I'm like, oh, I guess everybody must be like Ron. You know, just a, and then you, you know, you get out in the world and you realize, okay, no, everybody's not like Ron. Ron is just an alien. Um, wow. 
but he's uh, yeah, one of the most talented guys. Incredible singer, incredible engineer, incredible incredible guitar player. Obviously, I don't even have to say that. Yeah. I mean, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. He's and and on top of that, one of the one of the best dudes in the world too. He's yeah. uh, I mean, as everybody I'm sure that has talked about him will tell you, he's just the best dude. You know, he's. But um, yeah. yeah. Great, super That's, talented. Yeah, he's doing Asia now. He's doing all kinds of shit, man. He's just so busy. Wow. Yeah, he's he. I did not hear about the Asia connection. Now something I need to go Google. So thank you for that yeah. tip. Here's a crazy thing. Think about yeah, yeah. He did vocals for Asia on, on a couple. Oh, tours. no kidding. Um, think about how many of the world's most difficult singers Ron has worked with. That's something I was thinking about the other day. Axl <laughs> Rose, Scott right. Weiland, Scott Staff. The dude has like, that's that's a lot of the most troublesome lead vocalist. Yeah, he almost needs to get himself a, a degree in, in uh, behavioral health in order to be able to manage his interactions with those folks. May, well, maybe this whole thing was his doctoral dissertation. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, nice. Yeah, Ron, Ron is the man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like and, and just that connection there tells me that between talking with you and talking with Jason Beeler back, you guys, I think, are also both a little bit on the edge of wanting to be comedians as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be a tour lineup. Uh, Ron is probably uh, a big reason to do with that because, uh, as you know, he's funny as hell. And, yeah. you know, seeing how hilarious he was, I'm like, oh, you don't have to be like dark, brooding artist type. You can be just like a funny, goofy dude from New Jersey. And, and yeah. That's cool. So, what a lot of us do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome, though. You guys and Jason Beeler and Devin Townsend show would be absolutely as musically hey, amazing as is funny. We love Devin, man. Devin took us out for a tour a couple years ago. He's such a good guy, man, and and yeah. he crushes it live. I mean, for anybody who hasn't seen him live, you got to hear his voice in the room, and you, oh, know, yeah. you get it. Just rumbles your balls, man. He's yeah. he's just like woof, fierce. Honestly, saw him for the first time last concert before the pandemic really took hold. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I hadn't seen him live before. I was familiar with his music and things like that. I think I was primarily there for Haken, but I was cool about seeing him as well. And walked away from that going, holy smokes, that dude is an entertainer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. Not just a performer, not just a musician. He is an entertainer. He's, he's engaging. He's charismatic. He wears a tutu. I mean, it's, it's the things that you don't get on your average show. David Lee Roth doesn't do that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, Devin... He's definitely one of a kind, and he yeah. is so nice to the bands that tour with him, man. He was such a good dude. He would just, yeah. like, come and hang out, like, just bullshit with us, just tell dumb stories, like, in our dressing room when we were on tour with him. And I'm just, like, thinking, I'm like, man, this, it's so nice of him to even just give us the time of day. He's probably so busy. It, it, yeah. It's just, what a nice dude. And, yeah. yeah, super talented. <laughs> no doubt. So, hey, something to look forward to maybe in the future. Give I hope. That would something. be great. Wherever Devin's <laughs> at, I hope he's doing well. Now hit him up. He talks to me. No, he doesn't. <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, I, I really thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. It's been a great conversation. Oh, really. Yeah, uh, it was a blast. It. Let me, let me know about this toxic Avenger connection too. This is going to be, uh, on, on, on my mind. <laughs> I will absolutely be getting back to you on that. I'll, I'll find you up at so, social media or something somewhere or whatever. I'll email you through Juliana. <laughs> Please, yeah. And dude, thank you for supporting our music, man. It means so much to us. Thanks for playing the stuff and taking the time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Anytime, man. It's absolutely music that deserves to be heard and deserves to be played. And God willing, you know, we get to the point where you guys can uh, have, a couple, have an hour or so down the turnpike and maybe join us in the studio. That would be amazing. That, that, we would love nothing more, man. That, let's let's try to make that. Maybe we can make that happen on the upcoming tour. We could sort of uh, kind of 
uh, pull the strings and make something work like that. That'd be great. All right, um, I'm on it. In the meantime, let us know how we can support you guys. Anything we can share on our pages, and you know, obviously, when the thing's coming out, we'll take care of that. But just uh, keep us keep us in the loop, man. We want to support Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Love to, man. Uh, and I'll send you a nice little package of swag. Have Juliana give me a, an oh, address beautiful. or something to send it to, and uh, oh yeah, get you dressed up in your toxic and uh, bleeding edge gear. Beautiful. I'm, I might not be the most handsome model for you, but I'll wear it proudly. <laughs> if I'm wearing it and it doesn't look bad, then you're 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 fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. I so set much the bar low, make it easier for everybody else to wear it. <laughs> Thank you, man. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. And there you have it. My conversation with Tom Monda of Thank You Scientist. Every bit as fun as I promised you, I think. The new EP is available for pre-order now. It's going to be out November 19th on their brand new label. As mentioned, Flying Jangus Records. You can find that at their website. If you want to look that up and get that pre-order, don't forget you have the opportunity to get a nice vinyl edition of it that will destroy your player if you really want to try and play the B side of it. So do that at your own risk. And if you do, we want to see it on TikTok, of course. Meanwhile, they've got a tour that's going to be starting very soon. Two days before the EP is out, November 17th, they're going to launch it in Buffalo, New York. Going to do 26 dates and then wrap it up December 18th in Toronto, Ontario. Yes, 26 dates in a little more than a month. Guys are going to be busting their asses. Get out there, give them your support. Buy the EP, enjoy, and of course you'll be able to hear it with me on Bleeding Edge. My thanks again to Tom for his time. I really do look forward to hopefully getting him and his bandmates in the studio in the near future. That would be a wonderful thing. Thank you for joining me once again for Bleeding Edge interviews. Just a quick reminder, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't already, please check out my other interviews. They are available wherever you find podcasts. Just search under Toxic Radio. They are also available through ToxicRadio.net as well as the free Toxic Radio app. Meanwhile, remember Bleeding Edge is on every Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring only the best in prog metal, alt metal, and anything else that rocks hard and pushes the boundaries. This is Super Dave signing off.